It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. National Signing Day is in the books, we thought. (laughs) And then uh, this morning, we uh, just start getting the news through the fire hose again with them getting a transfer portal cornerback and uh, Jalen McMillan announcing that he will be returning. And uh, just I don't know about you guys, but when uh, Jalen McMillan announced on Twitter, it was just kind of short and sweet. It almost reminded me a little bit of when Shaq Thompson committed, if you guys remember that at all. Yeah, it just it, it was a uh, it was certainly one of those unexpected things where you expect it to be a bigger announcement type deal. I mean, when Braylon Trice and, and ZTF j- uh, just did, did their announcement, they did a big video and those types of things. And then Penix did the big surprise reveal during the the team banquet at the end of the season. And now here comes Jalen McMillan going on Twitter. Oh yeah. By the way, guys, I'm coming back. No biggie. That's about it. Yeah. yeah, And so it was, to me, it kind of reminded me of, of locker just going up to the coaches after the season going, Oh yeah, guys, I'm coming back. Oh, I hope that's okay. You know, it's like, so yeah, it was great. And, um, and so now clearly the Roma Dunzi is going to be the one in the, in the crosshairs in terms of trying to come back, not trying to come back what he's going to do. And, but to basically have all the draft eligible guys back, you know, and we'll yeah. obviously, I think, find out about Rome here pretty soon. To have basically all those guys back is such a huge recruiting coup for this staff. Because everyone uh, during signing day yesterday, Kim, obviously focused on not just the high school kids, Thaddeus Dixon, the JUCO transfer, and then the, the seven, now seven, portal guys. Everyone's looking at that group. I don't think, I don't think, they the fans should forget that getting all these guys to return for one more year is basically just like getting more recruits. And that's such a huge part of putting this thing together the right way for next year. Yeah. And Scott, you're expecting Romo Dungey to come back. My That's my expectation. Yes, I I, I would be shocked if he doesn't. I think the peer pressure is going to mount up. I think the fact that he's not going to be a first round draft choice he might not even be a second round draft choice. I mean, I think Romo Dunsey is a really good receiver, and I think he's got a future in the NFL. But he, I just don't think he's ready. I think he needed another year, and and I think it's I think a year, another year under uh, Jamarcus Shepard will help him with his route running. Will also help him with his toughness. That if 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 there's one thing that Jamarcus Shepard instills in his guys is it's toughness. And I I was watching the as I was working on the 
um, signing day stuff. I I was I I watched the I, I had the replay of the UW Oregon game on while I was doing that, and the look on McMillan's face after he pulled that ball away from Christian Gonzalez, which by the way Kim never hit the ground, by the way, but the the uh, um, the the look on his face and the the just the in, the the intensity that's something that I don't think was there. Under and, and I'm not saying Junior Adams is a bad coach or anything like that, but it's just it's different under Jamarcus Shepard. It's a different feeling from that group, and and I think Romo Dunsey another year there. He he's a first or second round draft choice pretty easily. Well, the thing I don't think people don't take into consideration, they th- you know, it's obvious that Romo Dunsey is an NFL type player. It's obvious he's a real talented player, but a lot of people aren't familiar with what else is out there. There's a lot of wide receivers in the draft. A oh, lot. There's a ton of them. Yeah. There's, there's a, ton a ton of them. them. Yeah. Yeah. And there's bigger, there's faster, there's stronger. And as good as he is, there's a lot of wide receivers out there. There are a lot, yeah. you know, so that's the thing to take into Think consideration. Think about this. A guy who hardly even played this year is probably going to be a first round draft choice. And uh, I, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. The guy from Ohio State uh, in, in, in Jigba Brown or whatever, whatever yeah. his name is. Oh, Smith and Jigba. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So, I mean, he hardly even played this year. So and he he's going to be a first round draft choice probably because of what he did in the Rose Bowl last year when he caught what what was it almost 300 yards receiving I guess last a monster yeah. yeah I mean he was just unreal so oh, yeah, I guess Utah yeah. yeah I mean he that that was that was one of the greatest receiving game I mean granted they, Utah was really struggling but but Utah's defense is pretty good, and he still had almost 300 yards receiving. I mean, it was just, it was just incredible. And and as good as I think Romo Dunsey is, and I think he can do a lot of great things. I just, I don't know if he's on that level at this point. Yeah, and also earlier this week with uh, Braylon Trice and um, uh, ZTF announcing that they would return, and I was talking to Braylon the other day, and Scott, um, I don't know if you remember this, but. He says he was 230 when he showed up here. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he was that big. Well, he said he was 230. I when we first saw him, we were like, man, that kid's skinny. He needs to put yeah. on some weight because he's he's a legit six four six five. And if you're going to play the edge, especially in in the Pac-12, it's really tough to do that at 230 pounds. Even even if that was exaggerated and he was 220 pounds, I mean that was that's even worse. So um, you know I. I he he's a guy, and then and then you hear uh, in, um, Ikaika Malloy when he gets up there during the um, during the pandemic season in 2021 and says that Trice is ahead of where where Joe Tryon was, and you're just like wow, okay, and now we're kind of starting to see that, and I you know he needed another year probably of productivity to vault himself into like a second or maybe late first round draft choice. And I think you're going to see him and ZTF kind of go off this year. And both of those guys are NFL guys from a pass rushing standpoint. They just got to be able to show that they can do it against the run. And, and both of them have gotten better at that, but they still need to be better at it. Yeah. And Chris Draylon price is up to uh, 270 now. 268 270 is what he said but like i said you know we i always remember him coming in and he did look skinny he did look like a kid he's full grown ass man right now though well yeah and now you've got a guy like lance holtzclaw who's kind of where trice was when he started 
trying to see you, you it's showtime you got to see how, how big can showtime get now so you see you start to see the de- development of that kind of guy you see the next in line you see a guy like maurice himes who's coming through um there's a lot to look forward to at that position but to have those guys back again like i said at the beginning to have those guys back man it's almost like getting recruits back in the fold and not just recruits but getting like top-notch portal guys you know guys that are you know all pack 12 you know massive statistics big production difference makers um all these guys coming back it's it's huge yeah and getting ztf back and there was it's a lot of mixed reviews on on zion where you know i heard quite a bit that you know during the covid year he had two good games where he blew up but a lot of people thought he was really inconsistent this year and that's one of the things that he really needs to prove next year is that he can be more consistent instead of just showing flashes well, yeah, he, I mean, he was, but it, it really was, he, he kind of nailed it when we got a chance to talk to him that, you know, you go from being kind of the, <laughs> for lack of a better term, the COVID year for me, he was like the king of poop Island. I mean, he killed it. I mean, he had what, seven sacks in like two or three games, um, absolutely catapulted him into the national spotlight. And then everyone expected all this stuff to, to happen for him in 2021. And then the Achilles happens and that kind of set him back quite a ways. And now we're just really starting to see him reemerge as the guy everyone expected to see last year before the injury. So, you know, again, injuries take their toll, not just physically, but mentally trying to gear, gear back, get going again. But I think we're really going to see the best of ZTF next year. I think with him on one side yeah. and Trice on the other, it, it could be, it, it's going to be an explosive combo. And, and Scott, they got the team barber back. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard your question to him <laughs> where, yeah, Troy Fautanu is who you're talking about, right? And, and just and, an FYI, Softy, I think, is trying to set up an NIL deal for people to go in and Troy cut their hair. Well, you know would what? We, would it, you do it? Uh, probably not, no. Well, it would be hard to screw up your hair, Scott. It's short. Well, and I wear a hat most of the time anyway, so yeah. But, but that would no, be interesting prob- if they could, they could pull that off with Troy cutting hair. But yeah, was, yeah, getting him back is huge. Yeah, and I don't know if people know this, but in the in the remodel of the stadium, they put a barber a barber shop in there, didn't they? They yeah, have like the, three or four barber chairs, and I don't know if it's still in there or not. Yeah, I don't know if it's still there or not. I would assume it probably is, but who knows? But it, anyway, yeah, I mean, and Troy is such a great kid. I remember him from the recruiting, from the recruiting trail. I got to know him really well. He's such a he's such a soft spoken guy, but man, he gets out there in between the lines. Man, you, he's not a guy you want to face. Getting him back is huge because. Now, now you're looking at both of your tackles are returning after starting pretty much the entire season at left and right tackle in Fautanu and Rosengarten. And so now you got to figure out your interior spots, but at least you can, you don't have to worry so much about the tackle spots because those are, those are pretty much good to go here for the next, uh, for the next year. Were you kind of surprised, Scott, when, was it Mel Kuyper who came out and put him as a second overall inside interior lineman in the draft? Who, Fautanu? Yeah. Well, n- not that he had him inside, just maybe that he had him number two overall. Um, I, you know, Fautanu, I think people get caught up in his frame because he's only about 6'4", and most left tackles are going to be 6'5", or taller. And But what, they, what a lot of people don't know until he actually gets into the, the draft where they measure your uh, wingspan and things like that, he's – 
what they call a plus athlete. I think he's a plus seven or plus eight, and which means he's six foot four. His wingspan is seven foot one, or I'm sorry, six foot eleven. Um, and because because if he's seven or eight inches over, um, you know, wingspan wise, he's a he's he's six eleven with in his wingspan, and so I mean that that is very impressive. And he's a guy that. He, he's so smart. He's a hard worker. Uh, the coaches love him outside. The combination of Jackson, uh, Kirkland, and and uh, Fautano on the left side. I don't I don't know if they've had a better one in the last 20 years, a better left side than that. And that's saying a lot because they've had some pretty good left sides. But man, I that left side was was pretty darn good this year. Hey Scott, what's kind of crazy is uh, Coach DeBoer was on the softy yesterday and he was talking about Anthony James. Yeah. Eight, eight foot wingspan. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> insane. It's insane. Hey, hey, Chris, also one of the guys um, that you had a chance to talk to and you haven't put this out yet. But um, one of the guys who still sounds like he's weighing things. You had a chance to talk to Dylan Morris the other day. Right. And, uh, you know, I think like all those guys, when you have a year that you can use with the portal as an option, like if you haven't utilized that option yet. Um, you know, he has to think about his future and, and how much he wants to think about trying to be a starting quarterback somewhere. Maybe that means dropping down a level. That means maybe going somewhere else. But there's another thing to what's going on with Dylan's story, and that's his potential future as a coach. And, you know, a lot of people I know, Kim, you brought up the idea of Jake Browning trying to get in the staff with Troy Taylor at Stanford now. Well, I could see Dylan Morris trying to get in maybe as a grad somewhere. And, you know, he thinks so highly of Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb that he doesn't really want to lose that touchstone either, that connection, because he's learned so much this year, both on and off the field. So he's got a decision to make, no question about it. I think most people assume he's coming back. Uh, Kalen DeBoer was asked during the signing day press conference if he had anything to worry about with those guys. And he says everything seems to be in, in order right now. So I don't think anyone's expecting Dylan Morris to go somewhere, but he made it very clear that he is still kind of mulling over things. I don't I don't expect him to go because I do think that he's still looking at this as a 40 year decision as opposed to a four year decision. I think he he sees coaching as his future and I think he wants to not so much tie himself to DeBoer and Grubb and what they're doing, but I think he sees this as a really great foundation for him to get started in that area. Hey, Chris, you've uh, been cracking the numbers uh, quite a bit. You know, the maximum you can have on scholarship is 85, and it just seems like daily, you know, the roster just seems fluid where we're getting a – we keep on getting additions, but we're not getting a lot of subtractions. Can you maybe just – Quickly, without getting too deep into the weeds, just give us an update on where they're at number-wise. Oh, well, of course you're going to throw that at me. Um, I think they, they their attrition number, I think, was at five before signing day. And Caden Jumper uh, is in the transfer portal now, so that would drop it down to four. But then you add, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jabbar Muhammad, who just signed. So that goes back up to five. Um, I think it's around five or six right now. Don't don't hold me to it, um, because you've got you've got basically 26 guys that ended up signing uh, on during signing day when you look at both yesterday and today, and then so that means they they're, they're right around five six guys that are going to have to leave 
um, in terms of attrition to make that 85 number. Um, DeBoer was asked about it during the signing day press conference. He says they're in good shape for winter. So I don't think they're too worried about that. They obviously have to worry a little bit more about spring and we'll see who jumps ship or who changes course before then. But right now it's about five, six. Yeah, Scott, uh, gun to your head between now and uh, the start of spring ball. How many more guys do they add? Add? Yeah. Uh, how many more transfer guys or how many more high school recruits? Um, Maybe one more. Are, are we counting Tayshawn Lyons as an ad? Yeah. Okay. Well, he's already committed. So we'll, we'll just have to see. I, I think, I think he's going to eventually sign with the university of Washington. I guess we'll wait and see, but before spring ball, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, the fact that they got Jabbar Muhammad in there might, I mean, that gives them six new bodies in that cornerback room. I mean, that's pretty, I'm sorry, five new bodies in that cornerback room. And so um, I, I just don't know if they have room for a, for another one because yesterday in the press conference, DeBoer said he expected to add one more defensive back to the to the mix, and I that was Jabbar Muhammad. So, um, you know, and then you got Thaddeus Dixon. You got and as the JUCO transfer that Chris alluded to earlier. You got um, Leroy Bryant, Caleb Presley, and uh, Curly Reed as your three high school guys. So. I just don't know if they're going to have enough room to add add a guy there. Um, maybe they bring in a quarterback if if they don't feel comfortable with Dylan and Sam uh, both choosing to stay. Maybe they bring in that. Um, but whoever gets here needs to get here in time for spring football. So <laughs> I, I just I have a feeling that we're that things aren't going to change that much. Maybe one more, but I don't know if any more. Hey Scott, I don't know the answer to this, and hopefully you do, but. Um they there's a signing period where the window is open for them to sign. It's open. Now, when does that close where if they don't sign, are you talking certain, high school? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay, for high school kids, they have to sign by Friday, by Friday, which and it's, if they don't, they have to wait until February. Until the first Wednesday of February. Yes. And okay. that's also, that's also Juco guys. Yes. Juco guys as well. Yep. Yeah. So if they don't add any high school players by Friday, what Friday midnight, uh, I think it's 9, 8, 9 p.m. Pacific time. I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, so if they don't add anybody, then they can't have any more signees from high school or JUCO players until um, it's, the first, it's the first, we- first Wednesday in February, whatever that date is. But it's always yeah. the first Wednesday in February. So Yes, correct. All right. That would Yeah, and that would be – honestly, it's either going to be the first or the eighth, depending on what they decide. The first is literally the first Wednesday in February. So they may move it back just because of that. I know that, you know, obviously the mid-year signing period last year was more literally in the middle of, of December. And now they moved it to the 21st, obviously for this year. So I'm not exactly sure why they did that, but they did that. All right. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and get a word from our sponsors. And when we return, we'll go ahead and hit into yesterday's signing day with all the high school guys. You're listening to the guys from dogman.com on dogman radio. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. I'm Kim Grinolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. National Signing Day was yesterday. Was it how many high school? I, I, I don't even know. How many high school guys were there yesterday, Scott? How many high school guys 18. signed yesterday? 18. Yeah. Are, okay. are we sure it's 18? 18 and then one ju- Juco player. Okay. And then the rest were transfer portal guys. But yeah. uh, the, only, the, the only thing everybody was pretty much waiting on yesterday was Caleb Presley, the defensive back from Rainier Beach. Where did he start out? He was a Tacoma guy, wasn't he, Scott? Uh, he was at uh, Eastside Catholic. Why did I think he was down in Tacoma? That was, or was that Josiah Wagner? Uh, that was well, Wagner's uh, from Spanaway, so no, yeah, he's a Spanaway yeah. kid. But yeah, Presley, I he may have been down that far. I mean, they do, um, you know, they do bring in guys, so it's yep. certainly possible that even You're, though he went to Eastside Catholic, he could have been living down in that area. Yeah, you might be talking about the kid who's at Federal Way, who was, um, who was at Life Christian down in Tacoma, and he's at Federal Way now. All right. Yeah. So uh, 18 high school players signed and everybody was pretty much waiting on Caleb Presley. Um, it was kind of weird because I think we've pretty much um, have all been in unison that he would be signing with Washington. And then yesterday I was getting kind of some conflicting news. So uh, any kind of any surprise yesterday with him signing with Washington yesterday, Scott? No, no. I, I just think. I just think that a lot of people didn't know when it was going to happen. And so that was uh, why the news came out that we don't know what he's doing. I think that it, it was more we don't know when he's signing kind of thing or when he's announcing um, more than anything. So um, but, yeah, that, I I think all along, basically, as of last weekend, we all had the had it in our heads that Washington was going to end up with Presley. I of course, changed my crystal ball uh, to Washington a couple weeks ago after he visited the University of Washington. But I was real close to changing it back to Oregon because I thought he was going to stick there, when, especially when he made the visit. But it sounds like Washington made him a priority and, and told him that, hey, we, we've got a place for you and you can come and be a stud locally at a school that you have grew up watching and wanted to be a part of anyway. And so let's go. Yeah. And what I'd heard was that you know, that one school that went on a Christmas shopping spree yesterday and throwing money all the way around. Rumor has it, but uh, rumor has it that they kind of up their offer and was throwing money around to Caleb, making him think twice. Rumor, mm-hmm. just a rumor only, but you can take it for what it's worth. Well, the, mechan- the mechanics of the decision were interesting, guys, because, you know, if you were watch- like I was watching the 24-7 sports recruiting show from the start just to make sure that what was on top of what was happening um, in the Pac-12, as well as any mention of the stuff that was going on in Washington. Obviously, Oregon started off on a huge spree early in the morning, getting some some flips and some things like that. Um, but I got the sense with Caleb Presley right around noon or a little before noon, they all of a sudden realized, OK, he wants to make his decision live on on the show. So he not only did it on his own Instagram account live. But then they also streamed it on their 24-7 show. But the way the production part of it looked, guys, it looked like it was not spur of the moment, I would say, 
but one of those things, I think like Scott was said, it was kind of fluid. You could tell it wasn't necessarily super scheduled. <laughs> so I think there was definitely some things kind of going on in the background. I think there was some people that were advising him in a PR manner on how to do it. Yeah, and there was a video that did come out just a little bit later after that. So, you know, everyone has to worry about their edit now. And so that's a part of it. So you've got you, you definitely had some things going on in, in, in you know, behind the scenes. Well, I, I mean, hey, Fetters, you know, we've got a contract extension with CBS, you know, and 24-7 sports on our desk. Should we do an edit when we sign this and finally come to terms with that? Should we do an edit? If that's up to you. You're, you're the one that's <laughs> you're the one that's ultimately putting the, the, the pen to paper. So that's 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 on your plate. Maybe we'll talk to some people, see if they can do an edit for us. And how cool would that be, by the way? Coming coming back for one more year. We're 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 uh, we're, <laughs> well, we're, three? we're we're yeah, we're uh, we're steering clear of the draft and decided <laughs> to have one more season at Montlake. Yeah, we're turning down the other offers. Uh, oh, other. there were other offers. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not going to say much more. Yeah, I'm going to get us in trouble. But yeah, I'm going to look into that doing an edit. So I think that would be fun. But, uh, you know, also one of the guys yesterday and I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think one of the guys that kind of gets lost in the wash because he committed so long ago uh, was Anthony James. And he was committed to Texas A&M defensive lineman. Um, I remember when we saw him at practice and you just kind of looked over and go, okay, who's that? I mean, it's obvious he's a dude, but uh, he's kind of a guy, Scott, that kind of got forgotten about because he committed so long ago, but he's probably one of the biggest gets of this class. He's one of the biggest gets and, and Kalen DeBora actually spoke up about him yesterday in the press conference and basically said he was the one who kind of was one of the ringleaders of our group uh, after he committed, you know, he wanted to get the best players in here and he's helped us. The, the one thing that people need to understand is when a quarterback commits, that's usually the ringleader of your class. But with Lincoln Keenholz, when, when he was committed to the University of Washington, he was a three-star, and he was out of South Dakota. How much is he going to know some of these other top kids from some of these other places? But um, Anthony James was a four-star guy out of Texas who was committed to Texas A&M and decided to leave Texas A&M his one of his hometown school, you know, home state schools and come up to the University of Washington. And that gave Washington a lot of cre uh, credit, credence, uh, credit. And basically, when he was out on the recruiting trail, he was out talking to a lot of guys um, and he was he was telling guys, hey, you guys need to look at Washington. It's it's a place that I think a lot of people need to look at a little bit more, especially from down here in Texas. And I think uh, Washington is going to have a presence down in Texas here going forward. You know, what's interesting is um, with him, with Anthony James, he's a really smart kid, first of all. But when he was doing a lot of the work behind the scenes with the recruiting. He's not one of those overzealous, gregarious guys. He's one of those guys that when he talks, he just has this way where he's talking that people listen to him. Like I said, he's a bright, intelligent guy, and um, he just kind of has that attraction when he speaks. People listen to him because he's not over the top. Yeah, he is. And he is not over the top. He's not a big, big, gregarious personality. He's he'll talk to people and, and things like that. Like you said, Kim, he's very smart. He can hold a really good conversation with adults as well as kids and everything like that. But I he, he told me one of the things that he told me was 
one of his goals this season as a senior was to be more vocal as a leader. He goes, I'm not one of those guys who does a lot of talking. I usually let my uh, actions do my talking for me. And so he said he's had to learn to be more of a vocal guy. But I think his personality, people just like to be around him and talk to him and, and, and things like that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was able to be one of the ringleaders of the class, even though he's not the most outspoken guy. Hey, Chris, I won't mention any names, but I remember back in the day where there was a offensive lineman who was uh, over the top, overzealous, recruiting everybody and just calling everybody. And just, I mean, just way over the top. And one of the coaches go, yeah, that's not helping. <laughs> you remember that guy? Well, there, I mean, there's, you know, there's definitely almost there seems to be ringleaders in almost every class. I mean, you go all the way back to 2019. And you look at a guy like Nate Kaleppo, I know Scott has mentioned him in the past and just how influential he was and just how active and, and outspoken he was in terms of getting guys. And then the next year, you know, you look at some of the the local guys like Savelle Smalls, um, you know, and then you look at the, the class after that, um, you know, there, there's just always seems to be guys, you know, like Sam Heward was was committed for forever. And he's not one of the most outspoken guys in terms of going out on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. But I'm sure behind the scenes, he was always there on visit weekends. He was always there behind the scenes checking things out. Obviously, with the with the covid year, it's tough. And then obviously last year, with it being such a short um, c- condensed time frame for DeBoer to try to make an impact, really not a chance for a guy to make a real impact and be a ringleader. And then now Anthony James being kind of that. This is the first time I think I've seen where a guy from way outside the normal recruiting footprint is kind of the ringleader of the group. And that's different for sure. Hey, Scott, one of the guys that um, I'm seemed, and maybe it's just me, I'm most intrigued with is the first commit of the class, Tybo Rogers. Uh, broke his collarbone earlier this year, so didn't get to finish the season. But he's God, what is it that intrigues me about Tybo Rogers? Well, he's different than a lot of what Washington has. He is more of a jitterbug player. Uh, he can catch balls out of the – he actually had more, uh, I think, receiving yards this year than he had run, rushing yards. He didn't – he only played in like four or five games uh, this year. But, yeah, I mean, he's just – he's a guy that Washington targeted very early. He committed very early. And, and I mean, DeBoer said it yesterday that they target him back in the back in the winter and never deviated from that. They really liked him a lot and thought that he could be a special player and that he fit their offense. And Washington has – some really good runners, but they don't have guys who are going to make you miss in the open field. And I think they feel Tybo Rogers has that capability. And we can talk about da- Daniel um, Nata in a little bit, but um, he's like you said, he just seems a little bit different than what they have in the room right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. He's a lot yeah. different. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting when Pete was here, he kind of had the reputation and he said this, Scott, that once they offered a player, they did their evaluations deep. But once they offered a player, it just seemed like everybody else was jumping online and Washington was doing the evaluations and guys were just jumping on. And we definitely saw that in with Lincoln uh, Keenholz, a quarterback out of South Dakota who had committed to Washington and flipped to Ohio State. And he actually did sign yesterday with Ohio mm-hmm. State. Yeah, yeah, and they they lost the guy that would have been a detriment to him coming in, and that is uh, Riola 
out of Arizona, the number one quarterback in the country, and I think the number number one player overall in the country. He uh, decommitted from Ohio State and has opened things up. And a lot of people think he's headed to either USC or possibly Texas or I think uh, uh, Nebraska, where his, his uncle is is a coach on that staff. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on there. But um, as far as Keenholz, you know, I, I mean, look, I think there are schools who kind of say, hey, Washington offered this guy. Let's go take a look at him and see if he fits what we're looking for, because if Washington offered the way they scout, we, we're going to go in and look at, at a guy like that. And so um, I think that's the case. I don't know about uh, Keenholz from the standpoint that he he's a guy that, you know, because Ohio State already had their quarterback and either I still haven't figured out. I mean, I'd have to ask what, what happened there and who knows if you get the whole truth or not. But, um, you know, they had the kid committed from Tennessee to them and that kid ends up flipping to Florida State and you're like, why would why would anyone go to Florida State if you're already in Ohio State's, uh, you know, class and everything like that, especially the way Ohio State puts out guys. But uh, Coach Norvell has done a really good job down there at Florida State. And maybe they just worked it and said, hey, we've got a spot for you. And, you know, after a redshirt year, you could have three years as a starter here and then move on to the NFL. And maybe he didn't feel he could do that at Ohio State. I don't know. But they came in late on Keenholz because they needed to. They either hey, decided the guy from Tennessee wasn't their guy or that guy said, hey, I'm going to flip. And just to be clear, um, the guy from Tennessee was a commit for the 23 class. And then mm-hmm. Rayola is the top quarterback for the 24 yep. class. So Keenholz, to begin with, seemed like he was you know, in the middle of the bookends. But you know, they lost their uh, commit for 23. Um, and then after Keenholz committed, I think it was after he committed that they uh, it was announced that the 24 guy. But they usually have a good idea of what's going on. What's with that. happening. But, yeah. yeah. But was there other cases where Washington had offered guys where other schools came in late because of the Washington offer? Well, I know that what one thing I will say is that um, Thaddeus Dixon was asked by the Husky coaches not to put out there that they had offered him because they were worried that other schools would come in on him. They offered um, him back. They offered him back in September, September. Yeah. So, uh, and he just kept it under wraps because they asked him not to mention anything. The other thing to uh, remember is that uh, Curly Reed was another one. Notre Dame and LSU both were coming after him pretty hard. That's a Louisiana kid, cornerback. Uh, so they came after him a lot. Um, I know that Elisha Jaquette um, had had a lot of people after him late in the process. Um, he's an offensive lineman out of uh, out of Orange, you know, Orange County down there in Southern California. So, yeah, I think Washington. But, you know, there's a lot of schools that that have that. If if a kid gets offered by Alabama, our school's not going to be coming after that kid, too. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if it's if UW is any different or whatever. I do know that the coaches feel that way. And if the coaches feel that way, then maybe perception is reality. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. 
Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Hey, Chris, when you take a look at the kids that uh, signed, uh, um, and they don't sign a letter of intent, they sign scholarship papers, but uh, tell me a guy on the transfer portal coming in who really jumps out at you. Well, the guy that I think immediately jumps out to me is Zach Durfee because of his connection with Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb because he came from the University of Sioux Falls. And the the conversation you guys were talking about in terms of other schools paying attention to Washington's evaluation process, I think we definitely saw that under Chris Peterson and his staff, and we're seeing it again with Kalen DeBoer and this staff. I asked Kalen DeBoer specifically about this uh, during the press conference about their evaluation process with kids that aren't at the Power 5 level. Because not only did you get a guy from the University of Sioux Falls, which is below FCS. I mean, that's what is that? Division two, division three. I can't even D2. remember. D2. Yeah. But then you've got Josh Cuevas, the tight end from Cal Poly. You know, they, they went and got Jordan Perryman from UC Davis last year. So they're not they're not afraid to, to drop down if they think they're getting the right fit. And I asked him, I said, what extra levels of, of things that you have to do in your evaluation get you comfortable with the idea that these guys can push up and be impact players. And he said, the first thing he goes, you look at their story and he goes in the, in the, in the case of Durfee going back to him, there was so many things, whether it was COVID related, whether it was just injuries, whether it was other things, he fell through the cracks. And so he should have been playing at a higher level to begin with. But then they did their evaluation process, and he gave a lot of kudos to Courtney Morgan and Eric Schmidt for doing their due diligence and and, and really figuring this guy out and, and going, Coach DeBoer, this guy could be an impact player for us. And then that's where it, that's where it goes back to the evaluation thing, Kim. He okay. said, as long as you trust your evaluation, he goes, you're good to go. And he goes, it's amazing. When you trust your evaluation and you feel really good about what you're looking at and you're committed to it, it's amazing how other schools will come in right behind you and go, yeah, well, if they're offering, <laughs> we should probably be offering too. It's like Utah with defensive players or tight ends. There's just certain reputations you get out there. And I think Washington staff is earning that reputation. And Scott, who from the transfer portal really jumps out at you? Well, I mean, Jabbar Muhammad, to me, I mean, he's the most recent guy, but I mean, he's got what, two year, two and a, a year and a half of starting experience at Oklahoma State. He was second team, all all Big 12. And I mean, man, I, I, how do you get a guy like that? And and he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's listed at 5'10". My guess is he's closer to 5'9". That's what we have him in the database as on uh, 247 when he was coming out of high school, DeSoto High School. And uh, but yeah, I mean, he's a he's a straight up cover guy. Um, definitely a position of need. If you want to talk about another one, I'm really encouraged about Joe Moore and Raylan Goforth. Those are two other guys, defensive guys. Washington's defense definitely needs to 
pick things up a little bit, and uh, Washington has addressed some needs. Maybe there were some interior defensive tackle prospects that they could have brought in, but they decided to go with the edges and linebacker and, and cornerback, and and I could definitely see that being being uh, an interesting uh, situation for them. Yeah, the big one, Jeremy Bernard. Um, it just seemed like it's I don't know how to. It just seemed like he wasn't a fit at Michigan State. Well. Well, this was all that was all about Junior Adams, in my opinion. Yeah, this yeah. was about this was about Junior Adams keeping him going, keeping him going, thinking he was going to stay, and then all of a sudden he leaves. And when he left, he didn't feel like he had gotten the connection, and they didn't know he didn't know who his receivers coach was going to be, and so he felt like he needed to make a decision quickly. And so it was a little odd that he was already at Washington, but. The fact is, is that if if he wasn't settled and he just didn't feel like it was going to be a good fit for him and he was unsure, DeBoer, I mean, give him credit. I mean, he was not going to keep a kid in a situation he didn't want to be in. And so you have to release those guys. It's like, what what do they say? If if you love love something, you got to set it free. So you set it free and now it came back. And this is is where if you're doing the right thing as a coach – and you're always doing the right thing for the kid and for the team. It's amazing how those how those kind of good works will come back and you'll reap the rewards at the end of this thing. Because obviously, Jeremy Bernard and the current Washington staff left on good terms. Daniel Nada was the guy that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, it's kind of interesting, his career down at Arizona State. Uh, Washington recruited him out of high school, and you probably recall what happened there more than um, more than I do. But um, it just seemed like he didn't play a lot down there. But when he did, he always seemed to make an impact. Yeah, he played a lot last year. He he's a 2020 kid, so he played a little bit in the uh, you know COVID season. Uh, maybe helped with some off-campus recruiting for Arizona State. But uh, just kidding there. Um, but yeah, he he got a lot of play. He got a lot of run in 2021, and then this year he didn't get that much. And um, the the thing is with Washington on the recruiting trail, he was really interested in Washington, but um, I think R.L. Nata made it pretty clear. His older brother made it pretty clear that he probably shouldn't show up at Washington because he you know he left Washington and and it was under Jimmy Lake's regime and everything like that, and it just wasn't working and so and the other thing was Keith Bonifa sure didn't seem to be that interested in him. I think Washington kind of dropped him and just said, hey, it's just not the guy, kind of guy we're looking for for our system. And and so they moved in a different direction and he did, too. I, I don't know if he would have ended up at the University of Washington, but I know he would have been more interested in them had they shown more interest. But toward the toward the middle of his recruitment in that summer of 20, I guess it'd be 2019, uh, they just didn't show him that much interest and, and it didn't end up being the right, right, right move for him at the time. Hey, Chris, I got to ask you a really stupid question. There are no stupid questions, Kim. Did you hit the record button? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's not showing up on mine. I was a little concerned there. No, it's recording. We're good. I see. I want to. I want to see my. I want to add my two cents in on Nada. Um, I see a lot of Bishop Sankey in him. Uh, not just size wise, because Sankey was about five ten, five eleven. Nada's listed at five ten, two hundred. So he's got that build. 
but I also see that little bit of shake, but I see more of a slasher, more of a kind of a one cut and go guy than a guy that's going to wiggle in the hole. I think he's, he's got that burst about him. So I see a little bit more of him probably maybe not top end like a Gaskin or, or a, a Savan Ahmed, but a little bit more of a, of a guy that can probably add a little bit of power to what they're doing. So he can be like maybe a Wayne Telepapa in that way. Um, and then offers some versatility out of the backfield as well, which is something they obviously uh, prize. And I think it's the reason why you go back and, and talk about Tybo Rogers. That's a guy that's very versatile. And I think that's one of the reasons they really stuck with him early. And Joe Moore, the other guy from Arizona State, that, um, you know, I, that one's just kind of maybe I'm missing something. I didn't uh, get that one. Yeah. You know what, guys? Maybe this is an off the wall comparison. But do you guys see any Joe Mathis in him? I think he's bigger. He's he's, he's no, listed Joe at six two, bigger. He's listed at six two two forty five. Yeah, Mathis was about six one. He seems but, short. Like I said, like I said, I'm not. I'm, I, but what I'm saying is, look for a guy who's maybe not a super one of those rangy kind of prototypical edge players. Now, like Zach Durfee is listed at six five two fifty. Well, Joe Moore. I think they like him more as a kind of a they I think I think the way Kalen DeBoer described him, he called him a swing man, which means he can play inside outside. Um, he's kind of that one guy because we were wondering if Durfee could maybe be a swing guy. But it sounds like they like Joe Moore as a guy that if they needed to push him a little bit more in, they could do that. The other thing I would say, guys, is that one of the most effective um kind of formations up front that we saw last year was when they ran all their edge guys up front and void Tanufi. So if they look at a Joe Moore as being someone that could fit into that void Tanufi role, so he could kind of split time with Tanufi, I think that could end up being a really, really um, interesting formation in that front, because now all of a sudden you've got all sorts of rush options. Let's wrap it up guys. Uh, Chris Fetters, final thoughts, wrap it up. Um, just real quick, I wanted to add a couple uh, a couple thoughts on um, Muhammad Jabbar Muhammad, the the transfer signee today from Oklahoma State. I don't know if I, I don't know if you're going to remember this too much, Scott. I think Scott or Kim will. I see a lot of Derek Johnson in him, and just in the film that I've seen, I see a really smart kid, not the biggest kid in the world, not the most physical guy at the point of attack, but when he he's got ten pass defenses. Uh, in 2022. And, and, and anytime you can make an all conference team at the power five level, you're doing it the right way. And with multiple years to play, I'm kind of in agreement with Scott. I'm a little surprised that guy was on the board, but kudos to Washington for identifying him and getting him in because they're looking for guys that are great man to man defenders out on the edges. And he looks to me like the prototypical guy that can be a good man to man defender. By the way, just to add a little context, too, and this is just a rumor. We don't know how true it is or whatever, but on the Oklahoma State Board, one of their insiders, a guy who who posts a lot apparently, said that Washington offered him $100,000 in NIL. So who knows? But if that's the case, Washington's definitely ponying up for some guys. Well, it's, it's illegal to make NIL offers to induce recruiting, Scott. I'll yeah, tell you what, man. Exactly. My, my, I'm sure that my is. Initial rea- my initial reaction to that is, Hundred thousand dollars sounds like a steal. 
for when we're hearing seven figures getting thrown around for kids in the high in high school that haven't even played a down of college yet, mm-hmm. you're getting an, you're getting a Big Twelve All Conference guy for a hundred grand. Man, that's that's like that's like bargain 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 basement shopping. If you're asking me, mm-hmm. but um. You know, in in the NIL era, I think anything's possible. And frankly, anytime I see numbers thrown around publicly, I don't yeah. believe them. I don't believe it. I just right. flat out don't believe them. So well, I know that Michael Panic's got some NIL deals, and on the low end, I've heard seven hundred, and on the high end, it's four million. But I don't believe the high end or the low end. So who knows? Well, as soon as Nico Ema Lavea, the kid who's going to Tennessee, the quarterback, the high school quarterback. We heard the initial NIL deal was somewhere, what, seven, eight million dollars. I can guarantee you a year from now, if you ask me how much money is in that kid's bank account. I'm going to tell you it's not that much because I, 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 I'd be convinced that that kid is going to get a lot of money on the back end when he shows that he can produce. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff's going. It's going to be incentive-based NIL deals. Student athletes, student athletes, get ready. Those 1099s will be coming after the first of the year. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we all we all get to pay Uncle Sam death tax death and taxes. Oh, the only certainties in life. I got this so, thing. It's one zero nine nine. What does that mean, guys? What does that? I mean? get a one zero nine nine dash M I S C. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, I don't uh, want to throw uh, too many numbers and letters at these guys. But bottom line is, they had twenty six guys that have that have signed with Washington. Twenty six new faces, and just as importantly. The how many the the five guys one two three four one two three four yeah the five guys that are staying Jalen McMillan Mike Panix Troy Faltanu ZTF uh, Braylon Trice if Roma Dunze stays which I, I kind of agree with Scott initially I think that there's a sense of unfinished business with this group that seems to be the theme of the day if they get him to come back too on top of all of these guys that are coming in 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 January and beyond getting ready for spring football that's the other thing we forgot to mention guys all these guys there there's what i think deborah mentioned yesterday there was six of there, these there's guys 11 gonna, guys who there's 11 guys who will be in for for spring ball right but not just the portal guys he expects all the mm-hmm. portal guys to be there but there's also five at least five high school players correct and so that I mean, that's that's a, a part and parcel of what we're dealing with too. guys that are getting ready earlier and earlier in the process at the high school level so that they can come in during winter quarter and be that further ahead when spring ball hits. That's a huge feature of this thing, too. Everything's lining up, guys, for 2023 being probably the season that's going to have the most excitement around it in terms of, of what's going on in Montlake than there has been in a very, very long time. So and I mean, even I'm even including the 2016 season in that. I don't think a lot. I think a lot of people saw that being a really good team. I don't know if they necessarily saw a playoff type team. I think a lot of people see a playoff type team with the 2023 Washington Huskies. A lot of excitement moving forward. Scott Eklund, wrap it up. Uh, you know, echo a lot of what Chris said. Huge, huge day for Washington yesterday. Um, they they aren't going to be signing the the five star guys on a regular basis. That's just not the way Washington has worked, and it's way it's, they've never worked that way this as a program. But they filled a lot of holes in the program. They they filled in some gaps in the recruiting classes that that uh, didn't have a lot of guys at different certain positions, and they they they're doing their best to to get things ready. This could be an epic run. This could be the, to me. 
this year almost feels like that that year where a, a baseball team or a football team says, hey, we've got the team to go. We need to get some some key guys in and get, get some key guys back or whatever. And we'll make one last push and then we'll start the rebuild uh, in 2024. And I think Washington's going to make a huge push. They're going to do everything they can. And uh, I know expectations are going to be through the roof, not just from Husky Nation, but I think nationally Washington's going to be one of those top 10, top 15 teams heading into the season. And you're going to have a Heisman candidate. We haven't had that for quite a while at the university of Washington. So yeah, it's, it's, this this 2023 year is going to be a lot of fun, and I hope a lot of people take advantage of the fact that we're we're going to be covering this thing wall to wall, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Shout out to Scott Eklund's wife for not absolutely killing him for us taking him all day yesterday, and then again this morning. Just when we think we're going to get a little bit of a break after just going all day yesterday, then we get uh, a transfer portal guy and Jalen McMillan deciding he's coming back. So every time we try to take a breath, it just seems like something else happens. So kudos to your wife for not killing you yet, but it's early in the day, Scott. It's still early. So um, uh, also just a reminder, we're running the big promo. We got to be careful how we promote this. But if um, you sign up for our yearly subscription to dogman.com, it is included. You will get Paramount Plus and started streaming today on Paramount Plus, Top Gun Maverick. So if you subscribe to dogman.com uh, for that yearly subscription at 50% off, you will automatically have access to Paramount Plus and you can uh, go ahead and stream and watch with the family Tom Cruise and Top Gun Maverick. And there's some pretty cool, pretty cool stuff on uh, Paramount Plus. I just watched um uh, what was that? Mayor of Kingstown. If you haven't seen that, that's a that's a good one. So uh, holidays hey, Tim, are coming. Real quick, him. Real quick. Yeah. That promo is all also upgradable for anybody that's listening right now. That's a monthly subscriber. You can upgrade using this deal to a yearly 50 percent off. Yeah, that's a good deal. Tell your wife you're getting her Paramount Plus for Christmas and Dogman.com is included. Guys from CBS here, this will probably get in trouble. But anyways, <laughs> uh, hey, it's busy out there. Even though it's the holiday season, it's going to stay busy and we'll make sure and keep on top of everything. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds, along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>